0: So when I was in college, there was this young woman who was in a Bible study with me. And one day after our Bible study, she walked back to the dorm with me, and she had this really concerned look on her face, and she said, you know, you know you're not really saved, right? And I said, excuse me? She says, well, you can't possibly be saved because you don't speak in tongues. And I... Well, I didn't know what to say to that. (laughs) She offered to pray for me and to help me gain this valuable gift. And, um, well, okay. (laughs) It just really surprised me. And I didn't know exactly how to respond. Um, Because, well, I knew I was saved. I had no doubt. Um, There was just so much in my life that God had done. And, and, yeah, I was—I had that assurance um, that I was Jesus's. And there was nothing that I did to save me. It was Jesus. I knew that. So um, I listened to her, and after the initial shock passed, I thanked her for her concern, and I told her not to worry about me. And I brought up the passage um, in 1 Corinthians 14 about tongues. And I don't know that that was the best thing to do, but I was really thrown off and didn't know how to respond, obviously. So anyway, there's this, this um, story, which I think is um, a good introduction to our passage for today. So Jesus gives sight to the man born blind because he responds to Jesus in faith and acts on his word. But the Pharisees who consider themselves to have keen spiritual insight become blinded by Jesus' actions because his ways are not their ways. So Jesus and his disciples are still in Jerusalem, and it is still the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. As Carl preached last week, Jesus had been teaching in the, in the temple and revealed in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees immediately rejected his testimony, and many of them became increasingly hostile towards him, until they finally began to pick up stones in order to stone him for claiming to be the son of God and of having seen Abraham. At this point, Jesus hid and made his way out of the temple. So our passage for today picks up shortly after this. While walking, the disciples ask Jesus about a blind man they see. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was common to see people blind people begging everywhere you went in the ancient world because the conditions were rather unsanitary, and there weren't many cures for eye diseases. Um, The NRSV, which is the um, translation I'm using today, translates Jesus' answer in this way. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Now this isn't I've always struggled with this passage because I thought, oh my goodness, this is awful. So God made this man to be blind, and he suffered all these years, and I've really struggled with that. Well, if you look at the Greek, there's this clause that is, but so that. But for some reason, a lot of um, translations drop the but. But if you look at it closer... And you realize that that clause is usually right in front of the main sentence part. Grammatically speaking, this is a better way to translate this verse. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But so that the work of God might be displayed in this life, we must do the work of him who sent me while it is still day. So this helped me a lot. (laughs) Because this translation helps me to see that God sent Jesus to do a work of healing in this man's life. And this was in order to display his glory. It isn't that God made this man blind to suffer all these years just to show his glory. The message, which um, uh, is a looser translation, I don't know if not many people use that one, but I, I, I look at it every once in a while because I think it's, it's just a nice way to, to... um gives me a fresher insight sometimes. But this um, does a good job of capturing Jesus' intent. It says, Jesus said, You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. So Jesus is the light of the world. And he explains that while he is in the world, he must do the works God has sent him to do because night is coming when he will no longer be in the world and performing miracles. So the blind man is not blind because of his own prenatal sin, nor because of the sins of his parents. He was simply born blind. All right, after Jesus' disciples answered, or after Jesus answered the disciples' questions, he knelt down and with some spit and dirt, mixed up some mud, and spread it on the blind man's eyes, saying, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, a couple of things here. <laughs> First, if you've wondered about the spit, you know, is that considered unclean in the Jewish laws, which I, you would think so, right? That's rather an appalling mixture to put on somebody's eyes to heal. But it's not. In the ancient times, saliva was considered to have medicinal purposes or properties. So, Um, Yeah, so are we still surprised that there were so many blind people? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Um, The second thing, John is such a clever writer, and it's really kind of fun to look at some of the things that he's doing here. So the first thing, he tells us that Siloam means sent, which is significant here because Jesus is referred to in the book of John as the one sent by God 20 times So here we see the one sent by God sending the blind man to wash and be healed. Okay, now here's something else that's really cool and kind of familiar that we've already heard about in this series. The pool of Siloam, it's a pool. It's filled with water, right? And we remember in John 4 that Jesus is called the living water. He's the healer and the life giver of the woman at the well whom we heard about and we rejoice in her story, it's beautiful. So Jesus sends this blind man to the pool, and we know as the man obeys that Jesus is healing him and giving him life, and indeed the man returns able to see. The neighbors and townsfolk who knew him to be blind all of his life react with surprise, and this begins a strange part of this story. You would think there'd be great rejoicing and celebrating with this man, but this is not the case. Instead, it's a frustrating and painful time for him as we read the people's responses to his healing. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? They're divided. Some say, well, it is he. Others, no, it's just someone who looks like him. Meanwhile, the man keeps answering them, I am that man. (laughs) They repeatedly ask him, well, then how are your eyes opened? The man explains, the man called Jesus Maidmon Mud spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and I washed and I received my sight. The townspeople inquire further, where is he? To which the man replies, well, I do not know. The people are scared. That's kind of the feeling I get. They're scared because this is unusual and it just doesn't happen in their world, like ever. And... Obviously, Jesus has perfect timing, and he knows this isn't the best time for him to be around, so he has exited the scene. The townspeople do the only thing they know to do with anything that they don't understand. That is, they bring this mystery to the Pharisees to judge. Now, John tells us it was Sabbath when Jesus healed the man. And as the Pharisees began to question the man about how he received his sight, we see that the Pharisees are just as baffled as the townsfolk. They're on the same plane right there. They're divided in their opinion also. Some get hung up on the fact that the healing take place takes place on the Sabbath, and they immediately declare Jesus is not from God because he didn't observe the Sabbath law. Others question how a man who's a sinner could do such a miracle. So either this miracle is not real because it was performed by a sinner who broke the law, or it didn't really happen because, well, how could it have happened on Sabbath when it's against Sabbath law? It's kind of dizzying, isn't it? The matter's not clear to them. And so they ask the man, what do you say about him? They were your eyes that he opened. Now, this is interesting because they're lending this formerly blind man a bit of authority based on the fact that it was his his eyes that were healed. And really, blind men weren't considered anything at that point in time. Um, Yet when he answers their question, so they give him this authority, yet when when he answers their questions, saying he's a prophet, they refuse to believe that he had been blind. Oh, you were never blind in the first place. You weren't blind, so you weren't healed. Then they call his parents in for questioning. Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Now, the man's parents have been around long enough, and they fear the Pharisees, so they speak as little as possible and refer the Pharisees to their son for answers. John tells us the Pharisees had already judged Jesus as a fake and agreed to throw anyone who connected Jesus with the Messiah out of the synagogue. Everyone in town knew this. They knew that this was, and this is probably why once Jesus' name was mentioned in connection with this healing, that they didn't want anything to do with this anymore. And they took him to the Pharisees. No one wants to get on the Pharisees' bad side. So they didn't get very far with the parents. So again, the Pharisees call the man born blind to testify, saying, give glory to God, which feels like a threat, actually, to me. I don't know about you, but <laughs> we know that this man is a sinner. There's no question here. It's a statement. It's a very forceful statement that seems to defy him to speak otherwise. And the man born blind bravely and calmly responds, speaking the truth that he knows. I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He claims no expertise, only what he has experienced at the hands of Jesus. By this time, the poor man has had his entire life to this point, as well as the experience of his healing, intensely questioned. What's more, he is seeing the world clearly for the first time in his life. Everything and everyone looks new and unfamiliar. And the crowd of fearful, confused, and angry faces is probably terrifying to him. But the Pharisees continue to get in his face and to demand answers. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? But now the formerly blind man begins to lose patience I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? It sounds as if the man born blind is choosing here and now to follow the one who has given him sight. Of course, this further irritates the Pharisees, who become even more abusive toward him. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses, We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Now, as readers, we sit back and we shake our heads because we know Moses would have considered Jesus the fulfillment of the work that God did through him. And we know that he would have readily confessed Jesus as Lord. So it's hard to see the Jewish leaders rejecting Jesus as a fake But, remember, in chapter 8, the Jewish leaders did this there, too, when they claimed they followed Abraham and became incensed at Jesus when he told them he existed before Abraham. And so, back to our passage for today, the Pharisees are angrily stating their case. We know that God has spoken through Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. To which the man born blind replies, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is a strong statement, (laughs) and one the Pharisees don't know how to respond to. And so they end the interrogation. They just accuse him, you were born entirely in sins, and you're trying to teach us? And they throw him out of the temple, which is exactly what his parents were afraid would happen to them if they said too much to the Pharisees. And that leads us back to the first couple of verses in this chapter, where we remember that Jesus has already addressed this with the disciples, saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus knew the man was not cursed, and he told the disciples, Now we as the readers know he is not cursed. But the Pharisees do not know this. They do not know the truth. They do not know as much as they think they do. And they take out their frustrations on this man, belittling him and looking down on him because they have already passed judgment. They cannot understand or explain what has happened to him because they refuse to accept Jesus as anything other than a sinner. And they rely on a commonly held belief to dismiss the formerly blind man's testimony that he was cursed at birth or his parents. According to the Pharisees, in regards to the blind man's healing, it was impossible for someone of God to break the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders have already accused Jesus of having a demon in John 8, 48. Some said it was impossible for a sinner to perform a miracle, hinting that the miracle never happened in the first place, and the man was never blind to begin with. However, the man was brought to the Pharisees by the townspeople because there were enough people who knew him as a blind man who could now see. And now the Pharisees have heard from three witnesses that he had been blind from birth. Son, father, and mother. According to their law that Jesus quoted in chapter 8, the testimony of two witnesses is valid. This should be enough by their law. Well, not according to the Pharisees at this point, at least. Throughout the book of John, Jesus fulfills his role as the light of the world, working his father's good works, sometimes on the Sabbath, and speaking truth. Without the ability and or willingness of the Jewish leaders to acknowledge their interpretation of Sabbath law as flawed and to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus is always going to feel like a threat to them and their authority. And the Pharisees grow increasingly blind to the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is the fulfillment of their way of life, but they see him as a threat. And so the formerly blind man is thrown out of the temple. Now, this is an incredibly long and incredibly confusing day for this man whom Jesus healed. It should be a day to celebrate and share with family and community. But because of the Pharisees' influence and power, because of the fear of the townspeople, he is persecuted and shunned, pulled this way and that, pummeled with questions and threats. And Jesus hears about all that has happened and that he's been thrown out of the synagogue. And he goes in search of him. He hears, um, he's already given him physical sight and a new life as a sighted person. And throughout this day, the formerly blind man has been on a road of transformation of sorts. You see him gaining in sight, both physically and spiritually, don't you? With every question, with every encounter, he's seeing even more clearly as the hours tick by. And now he's face to face with Jesus. And Jesus asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man asks him in return, Who is he, sir? Tell me so I may believe in him. Jesus replied, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. Lord, I believe. And the formerly blind man follows this statement of belief with heartfelt worship of Jesus, his healer and life giver. I just have to say, this is such a touching scene. Because for me, I put myself in, in the place of that blind man. And the picture of Jesus that's in my mind is one of such deep compassion and love and understanding. There's all these people that this blind man has been in contact with all day long. And it has felt awful to him. But here's somebody who loves him and embraces him and reaches out to him and gives him life and love and care. It's a beautiful thing. So Jesus' response to the man's declaration of belief sums up the day's events. And he says, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see... And those who do see may become blind. And his words pricked at the heart of the Pharisees near him, who overheard him say this. We remember that the Pharisees were watching him like a hawk, right? They were on him everywhere he went. And so they, these Pharisees hear this, and they say, Surely we're not blind, are we? And Jesus says to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin." But now that you say you s- that we see, your sin remains. The blind man was living in darkness, and he was given sight. He bravely confronted the Pharisees with their ignorance, knowing full well the consequences of his actions. He spoke truth. He was healed. Only God can heal. His faith is in Jesus, the one sent by God, and now he has life. On the other hand, The Pharisees were confident they knew the things of God, yet they refused to see the miracle, choosing instead to cling to their version of the rules. It may have felt to the Pharisees as if the formerly blind man played right into their hands, further justifying their rejection of Jesus, which resulted in a public removal of the man as a disciple of the law-breaking Jesus. But in the process, the one who knew little about life and faith came to Jesus and was filled with sight. While the ones who claimed to know everything rejected Jesus and in the end betrayed their blindness. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He gives sight to those who respond in faith, empowering them to do his good work and to be his light in the world. We too can be like the blind man and respond in faith, choosing to follow Jesus and worship him. When we do, the light of the world shines in us, and we continue to work God's good work wherever we go. So I would encourage you, if you're going through a tough time like this blind man, and you're feeling a little beat up on and misunderstood or disoriented, just spend some time in the word. In the words of Jesus, in the actions of Jesus, what we see in Scripture, just spend some time in there and soak it up. Soak up that light and do it every day if possible. First thing in the morning is great. Before you go to bed, just spend some time with Jesus. He loves you so much. You don't have to just talk, 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 talk. You can just be with him. And like I said, I... I love this passage because of Jesus finding that blind man. And I can just picture the look in his eyes. And that's where I go when life gets to be too much, is just right there in front of Jesus. And I let his, his eyes look into me. And that compassion and that love just fill me. And when we do that, we're soaking in that light. And then that light of God can be shared, can can come out of us and be shared with the world. So we can go forth and shine with God's light and love with the world when we follow Jesus.